back in the early days of the internet. One of the things that I think is kind of a big deal for the pen and pencil and stationary community as a whole is this Kickstarter thing. And I understand you don't, you haven't heard anything about Kickstarter and their anti-union activity. No, not until just now. I'm just uh, reading a little bit on it yeah. right now. So um, a couple of people from Kickstarter were fired, and it turned out that they were attempting to start a union at Kickstarter. And it was kind of questioned whether or not, like, is Kickstarter actually against the union? And they doubled down and came out. But it turns out, yes, they really, really are. Yeah. So they they doubled down. They made a public statement saying they're anti-union. They would continue their anti-union activities. And, um, yeah, so that I, I actually, um, deleted my Kickstarter account. I do have two kick, I had two Kickstarter accounts. I do have a Kickstarter that I am waiting to have shipped and they haven't sent the confirmation for my address yet. And so I don't want to take a chance that I don't actually get my product that I've already paid for. Oh, yes. So I did, uh, delete the Kickstarter account that has the majority or had the majority of my Kickstarter history on it. Um, it, um, but I didn't realize this, but I had been with Kickstarter since very early on. I joined them in 2011. I've backed a lot of campaigns and the account that I deleted was the one that I backed the pen addict on. I backed, um, the no Namisu Nova pen. I backed, the all kinds of things. I backed all sorts of things on it. Um, so as soon as I do receive my last Kickstarter item, I will be deleting my other account as well, unless something changes within Kickstarter and they stop their anti-union activity. Um, Which is really, I mean, it's really strange actually that, that, I mean, well, this, I mean, this goes back to some of the things that I've been frustrated with, right? Like you have these companies that start out with such a brilliant kind of promise Mm. of connecting people and, you know, making things possible, right? Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you connect with people when you want to do something big? How do you raise the capital? And it's, it's so great that there's something there that allows you to do that if you're not uh, an Ivy League educated MBA white guy, right? Mm Mm-hmm that you have access to capital. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's so small D democratic, right? It's so something that comes from the people. And, you know, it's, we, we're seeing this kind of crap stuff coming from Etsy and coming from yeah. um, eBay. And, you know, it starts out to be this thing that is the great equalizer and it ends up being just the same kind of crap that we've, dealt with with every other company always dealt with before yeah exactly and and yet you know like i am not surprised by this you know i i wish i were surprised by this honest to god how hard is don't be evil (sighs) well apparently even companies that have that as their low (laughs) their their slogan are still somewhat evil right Um, but you know what like here's i'm gonna uh, out myself here a little bit so I have a history of being anti-union, um, which most people who know me today will be very surprised about. 
Um, so when I was really young, I just graduated from college. I was a teacher and I joined my teacher's union and it was the worst union, um, on the planet. They were terrible. They collected our dues. The meetings were all basically just the teachers complaining about stuff and never getting anything done. The union president was useless. The negotiations were useless. Um, the teachers that I worked with, we, and basically the pay structure, um, at that point was 10 years out of date and even older than when it became out of date. Um, so basically, I mean, it was, you know, 1998 and we were working for eighties era salaries. Our benefits were okay because those were negotiated at the state level. Um, but the working conditions were terrible. We had, uh, OSHA violations everywhere. Our, uh, principal was terrible and it was just a terrible, it, it, it was, it was a horrible experience. And then the year after I left, they finally won their, um, negotiations. And technically speaking, I was owed several thousand dollars and they, I never got it. So anyway, um, I had this very bad union experience and then I started working for a company that I worked before that, um, for a number of companies that weren't unionized. It was just, they, I don't know if the healthcare at that time was, you couldn't be unionized or, or what, but they didn't have unions. And then I started working for a company that was also notoriously anti-union. And I didn't really care at that point. I didn't, you know, my benefits were actually pretty good. My rate of pay was decent. I was working really intense hours, but I was also choosing to work extra hours. Um, but then things started to change and the way that the company, like they wanted to be open on holidays, but they were like, we're going to ask people to volunteer. And basically if you were someone who wasn't married, didn't have kids, um, you were asked to volunteer, um, to work on holidays or around the holidays. And if you said no, well, there may have been, um, repercussions for that. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily official repercussions from the company, but certainly your boss made it harder for you to be there if you said no to working on Thanksgiving because you needed to drive six hours to see your family. Um, so, so I had this like belief that, you know, I had more choice in these activities. And then as I worked for this company for longer and longer and longer, things changed, it became more difficult, and the behavior of the company towards its workers became more and more negative. But anyway, I'm I'm going off onto a tangent here. I'm just explaining why I was anti-union and then became pro-union over time because I saw how I was brainwashed into being anti-union by this company that I was working for. And, you know, the, a lot of what the owner of the company and the president of the company had to say made a lot of sense to me in my youth. And it, it really connected with that negative experience that I had, you know, the union collected dues. They never paid me the money that I, I was owed. Um, but also I never approached them and said, Hey, you owe me a couple of thousand dollars because I was owed back pay and, you know, I let it go. So, but anyway, there were things that I could have done, but I just instead went 
fully into this anti-union stance. And as I've gotten older and I've seen how companies kind of abuse workers and not don't really see how important their workers are to the company, I've changed my stance and I'm very pro-union now. I think like if I had a union that I was allowed to join and we have professional organizations instead, I would be a member of the union. So anyhow, that's I'm I will be deleting everything to do with Kickstarter and I unless they change their stance, I will never back another Kickstarter again. And so what I want to know is where's everybody going to move? Like, where else can you go to do, you know, a small K Kickstarter if capital K Kickstarter is no longer there? Well, there's GoFundMe, um, which has its own issues. Um, there are a lot of issues with GoFundMe. As Gosh, well. I thought the only thing you could use that for was like, you know, hospital bills. <laughs> I don't have insurance. Please pay me money so I can live. Yeah. Um, I don't want to die. Please, yeah, please, please sir, save my dying child so that, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, because we can't think about how to do that without having people have to beg strangers for their life. Um, I want to say that there are a couple of other options that do something similar. Um, that, but they don't have the reach that Kickstarter has. Right. Well, it's, and it's the same problem as with eBay and, and Etsy that like, this is where people go for that stuff now. And how do yeah. you, you know, like, how do you get the quorum? It's like owning the first fax machine, right? It's mm -hmm. no, there's no point to it because you can't fax anyone. Right. So it seems like people need to be coming along on this. But you know, the other thing that we all have to realize is that these things start out as thinking of themselves as kind of grassroots, grassroots movements. Yeah. But then they end up being companies. And this is the same thing that Uber and Lyft have been fighting, right? Mm. And Airbnb and, you know, the, the rent by owner kind of yeah. thing. That the reason that Uber and Lyft were cheaper were because they were unregulated taxi services. Yeah. You know, and when it's part of the sharing economy, it's great. But when it becomes part of the gig economy, it is hugely problematic. Yeah. And has Uber even made money yet? Aren't they still in that, like, aren't they still in, like, spinning their wheels and not actually being profitable as a company? Like, the only people who really come out ahead on Uber are really the customers because it's cheaper than a it's taxi. It's not anymore, but the though. drivers. When I've, when I've used Uber, it's not any cheaper well, yeah. and it, it probably shouldn't be because, you know, like you, it, it has to be enough money to pay the people who are doing it to support the, um, you know, to support the workers who run the app and who like mm -hmm. run actually the business to pay for car repairs for the car, you know, because yeah. there's not no cost to that. And, you know, then the whole thing about Airbnb kind of starting to destroy some communities or not Airbnb specifically, but that model. Yeah. Because people, instead of it being, I have some extra space, I'm going to make some extra money renting it out. You have people using it to become de facto slumlords. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just, it, it brings with it all this whole host of other problems that I'm not before anybody asks me on this. I'm not saying that these can't be very, very beneficial things, but you just kind of have to keep in mind that 
anything can be abused. Like your, yeah. your union experience was definitely a case of an abuse of the union um, model. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been any better without the union. You know, it's not True. like you would have been getting paid more. <laughs> yeah, and it would have been like $80. It would have been a pittance. You know what? Like, it just wouldn't have been that much money. Right. And so I'm this whole thing of the company. So I'm reading here the uh, response to the current affairs um, issue. And the the statement from Kickstarter says that it stood by its decision to fire the organizers which means we'll fire union organizers for just being union organizers mm-hmm. if we want to, and would be dispatching lawyers to fight their claims, would not, vel- would not voluntarily recognize a union even if the vast majority of workers signed in support of one. We do not care what our workers think. And would not pledge to remain neutral on, uni- on unionization and would continue to actively oppose the effort. Now, I understand why they feel like they don't want a union, but I mean, if we're going to have to pick sides on this one, I- I'm going to be telling the company, not the people trying to organize a union, to suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and people don't unionize. Because there's when nothing wrong. Are good. You know, exactly. Like, like you unionize because stuff is not good. There's an abuse or you would never get enough people to even bother. Yeah. Like and I've this. never, you know, I've never even been any place that had the option. I, you know, I grew up in the South and I've been in academia. So it's, it's kind of been off my radar. But you can't get anything done as an individual person. So, yeah. No, that's that is really crappy. Yeah, it's really I don't want to make you have to go in and put in uh <laughs> Yeah, <I'd laughs> I'm not going to say what I really think because it would cause extra editing for you, but <laughs> I appreciate that thought. Yeah. It's very it's very distressing. It's very distressing to me because I actually have really really enjoyed Kickstarter. I have too. It's a great resource. And I've gotten, I mean, like I've been able to connect with some creators that I really, really liked in a way that would have been difficult for them to accomplish. Absolutely. Um, without it, you know, so I think it's, I think it's terrific. And I'm, I'm really disappointed, you know, I'm disappointed in a way that I, we get disappointed when we have expectations and they're not met. Right. Yeah. I'm disappointed because I would have thought that they wouldn't act in this kind of Absolutely. And so I think that the thing that bothers me the most is how many stationary companies, how many podcasts and how many things that I enjoy that have up until now collectively used Kickstarter as a way to promote, as a way to sell, as a way to expand are going to continue using Kickstarter despite this anti-union activity. And that is, I don't know, that's very, very troubling to me. Well, then I think that that they need to know that they're losing out on revenue if they continue to do that. Because, you know, like I've spent a fair amount of money on stationery on Kickstarter. Yeah, as if I, I mean, Um, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of maybe uh, thousands. Probably best not to think about I'm trying not to. I'm trying to block that that idea. Yeah, out let's of my just mind. go down a different path there. But like I said, like I'm I 
So the thing that I struggle with, right, is that I have I, I am now anti Kickstarter. And I guess the real question is, am I then not going to support companies that use Kickstarter as part of their use model? You know, I mean, I think for me, it's going to kind of depend on what they say on what the company says. The company, like, like, um, the company itself? Or? Well, like, yeah, like a company that wants to use Kickstarter. Like, you know, if there's not another way, if they're like, yeah, we don't think this is great either, but there's not another way to do it. If they just don't say anything about it, I would be tempted to not buy from them. Yeah. I mean, uh, certainly, I wonder. I'm not saying I couldn't be talked into it, though. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that I would be still tempted to purchase and, and would possibly not be bothered by purchasing from them outside of Kickstarter. Like, I, I, but I know that there are going to be certain products that I'm just not going to be able to get outside of Kickstarter. Right. And that's what I mean is, well, or outside of Kickstarter or outside of the companies who deal with Kickstarter? Outside of Kickstarter. And, well, okay. and then there are things like I question like, Going forward, if they continue to use Kickstarter, do I then boycott those companies too? Right. That's what I'm saying. So, like, am I going to have to stop buying from Baron Vig, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which would make me really sad because, you know, like I'm sitting here at my desk and I have a little row of uh, about eight, um, eight vanguards, right, that are organizing all of my all of my different committee work and my different projects that are going on and you know, if I have to give that up, I guess I'm glad I've got a huge box of them in the corner. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but I guess that that's like the thing that I'm struggling with is because so, um, Baron Fig is a great company, right? They're, they're a company that I love to support. I love the products that they make, but if they are then turning around and just, I'm just, I don't really, I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole. Like, yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to single out Baron Fig. It's just that well, I, I, mean, I actually just bought myself a new backpack from them after having bought the Kickstarter backpack, right. which I love, and carried for two years, and just finally decided that I wanted a newer, cleaner one. Or like, like let's say Pen Addict or Notco or um, Namisu or any of the other companies that I've bought from Kickstarter that are now or Populous Coffee, like. All of those companies that I have purchased from in the past that are, you know, on Kickstarter that I've also purchased from outside of Kickstarter that kind of got their feet wet with Kickstarter um, and continue to use Kickstarter um, to expand their business, expand their product range. Um, I, this is just a very complicated thing for me because I haven't thought it completely through. I have a lot yeah. of feelings about it. And I, I'm, I'm going to be following just, it, but I, yeah, I don't, don't know. You know, how far do I let this reach? I don't know. And the same with Etsy. Like I haven't deleted my Etsy account yet. So what's the what's the current thing with Etsy? I don't know. I mean, it's just they had the you know they were making changes one after another that were, um, uh, yes, Very you know that were toward, one. yeah, that were toward big companies. You know, they're supposed to be handmade. Right. That was their whole shtick is this is where you sell your stuff that you make as a small producer. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and people assume like it's individuals or very small groups of people making stuff and it's not anymore. Most of what's yeah. on there is 
just corporate stuff being listed. Mm. But then where do you go to connect with small makers? If well, you know, and especially if your small right. makers can't afford to be on there anymore because the changes mean that it's very difficult for them to make enough money to be worth it. Right. Well, so I, I struggle with that on my own as a small maker who has used Etsy in the past. I've right. also used eBay for sales. I have tried my own website, and having your own website is a lot more maintenance. It's a lot more work. And people don't necessarily find it. They don't find it. And, but they say, you know, you have to advertise Etsy anyway. So you have to, you have to advertise your stuff outside of Etsy anyway. But like it's people like buying stuff like what I make through a shop like Etsy because it gives them additional protections. Um, they don't necessarily see PayPal, um, as enough of a protection, but, um, Anyway, I, I, I struggle with that as well. Like I don't, you know, I was, I was looking for, so I, I got a Fitbit. Um, I'm, I have weird feelings about that too. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I get a little paranoid about being tracked everywhere, but I do like the fact that it keeps track of, um, how many steps I do in a day and it does help motivate me to walk more. Um, but, uh, so I was looking, I really wanted like a leather strap that looked like a watch, a little bit more than a watch, like a watch than this silicone thing that I have strapped to my wrist right now. And so I went on Etsy and I started searching and there was, I think I found one overpriced strap on Etsy that was not mass produced from China, um, or you know, and just was garbage. Etsy is so filled with garbage now. It's really, it's very troubling. It's a lot like, so in the early days of eBay, eBay, what there's like a lot of like yard sale crap, but there was also, um, a really rich group of artists and craftspeople that were selling via eBay until they started changing a lot of things. And all of a sudden there were, you just got flooded with people buying one of your products and then mass producing it in China and sell it. That actually, that happened to me with my books. So like, it, it's just like, I, I don't know. I just see history repeating itself. And I think what I really have to do is just give up on places like eBay, give up on places like Etsy and work on my own website and just say, forget all of that other stuff and go back to the own your own site, promote it, and put the work into your own stuff rather than someone else's site. Um, but that's a whole, yeah. whole, whole, whole other ball of wax. That a cuts a lot of people out of the market. It really does. And it's unfortunate um, because people just don't look for things in the way they like back in the, back in the early days of the internet. Right. Um, People search for things, I think, very differently than they do now. Um, people really rely on sites like Facebook and Facebook Marketplace um, to advertise their stuff for them. And people don't go to Google and look for websites to buy things from anymore like we used to. Um, and people don't trust those those independent websites the way that they used to. You know, I mean, do you, I don't necessarily I No. Mean, yeah. Even, even with PayPal and paying with PayPal or a credit card through PayPal, 
I, I don't want the effort of following it up if it doesn't come. I know it's going to be right. so much work for me if it just doesn't show up. Whereas with Etsy or eBay, it's very pretty much like press a button. My, my stuff didn't show up. You guys deal with it. That's really true. It's definitely going to be interesting to see where all this goes because you're right. The expectations are really, really different now. And I think it's harder for little things to get started. I think it's harder for for small sites to kind of break into the yeah uh, break into the marketplace you well, know break search, into the, the system the search algorithms are against you i mean so so i started a blog right so just the i'm going to i'm going to go off on a tangent here so i started a new <laughs> another one <laughs> i started i i started ferment stuff right and i started it because it doesn't everything that I'm writing about on Ferment Stuff does not fit on Comfortable Shoes Studio. I have an obsession, and I need an outlet for that obsession. Um, so I, And I've done this in the past. You know, I, I've had a lot of little blogs here and there, and I started out blogging in the early 2000s. I had LiveJournal and all of that. But one of the really interesting things oh, I Live think... Journal. I think about things like new blogs. So if I had started ferment stuff in 2000 things would be very different i think i have let's see um i have so where's your give me give me a url here so i can click through and look ferment fermentstuff.com um and you won't be able to see the kind of like the so i'm looking at the back end well it would help if i actually spelled correctly um by god i hope i did um, no, you did. I didn't. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, now I can see it. So, oh, so okay. <gasps> so, um, so he, if I had started ferment stuff in 2000, um, I would probably have two or three thousand subscribers and readers at this point. Um, and I like so right now. If I look at the back end and I look at my stats, I had one view on Friday. I had no views on Saturday. I had no views at all this week, despite the fact that I published a post. Um, and no views yet. Like, no views at all this week. <laughs> so, like, I, I've had, like, three... Blogging three... is tough now. Like, it it's really not where people are. No, and people... And I think one of the things that killed blogs was the death of Google Reader, but that is a whole other, like, discussion. <laughs> because I, I don't want to cry on the podcast because no, no one wants to listen to that. But I, I really think that had a huge impact. But, I mean, another part of this is that you just don't get the views because the algorithms... So say someone does um, search for fermentation. some Like, back in the day, my site would have popped up, partially because it would have been one of the few... Um, but also the algorithms were just like, they gave back so many different things rather than how tailored they are now, because no one looks at this site, it will be very hard for it to gain momentum. So everyone go click the link and, and check out ferment stuff so I can gain some momentum. Um, and it's just, you know, people, people search for what they need or what they want, like, uh, as an example, I did a Google search for apple pie spice and I looked at five different sites about app that had different recipes for apple pie spice 
And am I ever going to follow those blogs or revisit them on a daily oh. basis like I used to? No. Right. I mean, yeah. as much as I always... that's not where you are. Right. I'm, I, I want to use, the, like, The Spruce Eats, which is a fabulous bl- uh, blog about cooking. I use that more as a resource because I know, I, I know that her recipes are going to be useful for me because it's we have similar tastes in things. So I know that her apple pie spice recipe is probably going to be one that works for me because I know that I've tried her chai spice recipe and it was really good. I've tried some of her other recipes. But so when I see that pop up in my search results, I'm more likely to click. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But like the the... It's hard to get established and hard to get noticed now as a blog because people don't just, you don't go to reader and have 5,000 things that you've subscribed to and scroll right. through and say you've, you, you know, read things like you used to. Like I used to wake up every morning, open up my Google reader. Actually, I, it was the first thing I did at work. Who am I kidding? Um, <laughs> and with, right? a cup of, yes. with a cup, yeah, I, with a cup of coffee, I would open up my Google reader and I would basically read posts every morning. It was like my, oh, I remember. my newspaper, right? Like my parents' newspaper. Absolutely. It was mine. Um, so anyhow. Yeah. So I'm looking at the, the, at your post on sprouts from this week. Yep. And it's actually making me want to go to sprouts again. Cause I used to do it in the Mason jar under the sink. Oh, yeah, yeah. But again, you know, like your mom said, I was the only one eating them. Mm-hmm. And so then because it was under the counter, I didn't see it, and I would have, you know, I would have a hard time remembering it and all of that. So I'm kind of digging this. Um, for anybody who's uh, listening to this, I will just say the uh, the photos are characteristically very nice and clear, and adding a lot to the post. Um, it's it's a it's a less blog all over. It looks terrific. Thank you. It's clean. It's useful. Um, I like how you didn't tell a story for four paragraphs before launching in, you know. Yeah, like, well, like the pizza like, recipe. Oh, is it going to be like that? No, no, no. I, my intent is to only have like a paragraph oh. explaining why the recipe or any changes that I've made. Yeah. Oh, no, that's great. I, I'm kind of joking about the food blog thing, you know, the re- recipe. Yep. Uh, recipe magazine thing where you have to have like, you know, it's all for Gen X through millennials. So you have to have it rooted in a story about the time you were trekking through the Himalaya and, you know, (laughs) yeah, you know, your grandmother's kitchen and whatever, right before you can actually just give a recipe. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, no, this is, this is terrific. And I'm actually gonna, I'm going to read back through it. And I miss blogs. Like, I, it was a really nice way um, to get immersed in something you liked and also to kind of stay connected with a person that you liked and connected to. And it's just not there anymore. Yeah, I really, I, I you know, there are the blogs that I visit on a regular basis, like Dade and Johnny's. But even those, I usually visit them after they post a link exactly. to one of the groups. Yep. Or, I don't have anything cluing me into the new blog posts yeah. other than Facebook or, or Twitter. Yeah, and I tried um, Feedly as a replacement for Reader, but it just doesn't work that well. 
I just which again, like, why isn't somebody coming up with something that works? Or something? Or is just it just because we don't like reading long format stuff on our phones? Is that it? Is this all just because of our phones? Maybe because we don't read on the computer anymore. Maybe I don't know. I mean, huh. if if the if if I had a reader style thing on my Kindle that I would definitely read blogs again on my Kindle or other tablet style device, but I don't like reading on my phone at all. So. Yeah, I don't either. I do it some because it's because I don't have the other thing. So mm. if I'm reading, if what I want to read in bed happens to be online instead of a book, then I read it on my phone just because that's, you know, that's where I am. Right. But, um, Oh, you know what? I did click through to the, I didn't even realize you had an, I didn't even realize this was a new blog because I did click through on the honeycomb candy when you posted it. Oh uh, yeah. Cause now I'm recognizing this post. So that stuff was good. I am trying so hard to have less sugar in my life. <laughs> well, one thing I will say about the honeycomb candy is that it doesn't make a ton so for me, what I do is like I experiment with a flavor. I keep a little tiny bit of it here and then I take the rest to work and everyone devours it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then you're popular. Yes. People like candy. They really do. That ended up being a uh, relatively long rant about Kickstarter and then Etsy and their changes and eBay and their changes. I, I'm feeling kind of get off my lawn today, you know? I, you know what? I, I keep having these um, moments where I just want to burn everything down, sell the house, and build a <laughs> tiny cabin out in the middle of the woods because people suck. Um, Don't burn it down. Sell it. That way you get money. And- this is true. Also, you know, obviously we have um, poison oak in the area. So if I light it on fire, um, right. it'll kill people. It and then will. I'd be liable. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, that's a tangent. Um, <laughs> um, so speaking of algorithms, Facebook keeps giving me these, uh, sales posts of things that I first off cannot afford, have no place to store, but really, really want. Oh, so they're targeting you well, oh, huh? God, so well. So like, cause um, mine is all like bra ads. Oh, see that? No, if you click on Facebook marketplace, they really uh, start to tailor the ads to you. So, so like right now in South Hamilton, Massachusetts for $10, someone is selling lots and lots of mason jars. <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening, Facebook? Yeah, um, you know that it is listening. Oh, God, it's <laughs> freaking creepy. Um, so then, so they, the thing that they keep showing me lately are really, really expensive, uh, expensive, or I guess, um, valuable, but inexpensive wood stoves. So like people in my area are selling cast iron and heavyweight steel wood stoves for dirt cheap, like no money at all. And because I'm interested in tiny houses, like some of these small wood stoves would actually heat under a thousand square feet to more than tolerable. You'd be open up, opening up windows in February up in Maine. Um, So knowing that these things are available is just basically like the universe giving me a giant middle finger and the algorithm seeing like, <laughs> like an evil chuckle at my expense. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. 
And then, so I, I posted a picture of one of the wood stoves and my friend was like, Hey, so my husband and I actually have that exact same model of Fisher and we heat our 2000 plus square foot home, uh, in the woods of Maine with it. And it gets it up to like 80 degrees. You can't tolerate the living room when that thing is pumping out the heat. Right. Um, so yeah. So anyway, the universe is just giving me a giant middle finger and saying, you can't have this. But we're going to show it to you. Oh, yeah. We're going to show it to you. We're going to taunt you with this until you can't tolerate it anymore. Anyway, that's that's I'm I'm done with my rant about algorithms, but I'm going to click on this mason jar link um, just to see. How, <laughs> <laughs> just 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 to see how many are there. Yeah. Um, ooh, uh, $10 for 10 wide mouth mason jars. Um, anyway. So yeah. Oh, I I don't know if you knew this. I just wanted to tell you. I cannot find a contact us link on the Kickstarter webpage, and they are not mentioning anything about this press stuff going the bad press right now. Oh, of course they're not. So they're not like they're just pretending it's not happening. Uh, of course they aren't. Interesting. Anyhow, so I think we have um, we found our main topic. Yeah. And then we don't. And actually, it's totally relevant. So go us, right? I know. We were just going to do this tangential stuff. Um, And here we are. Actually doing something. I want to take a moment just to thank everyone for being really kind and supportive. Um, Any um, comments on our website, um, the great discussions going on in the Facebook group is just, I love the how supportive and kind the RSVP group is, it's just wonderful. Um, so just thank you. Thank you for continuing to support us and joining the group and commenting and having intelligent discussions, sometimes on difficult subject matter and being so respectful. It's just wonderful. And I love it. Um, so it is one of the few reasons that and obviously Facebook marketplace, why I'm still on Facebook. <laughs> um, so if you really love us, um, the best way to let people know about the show is to share a link to your favorite episode on whatever social media that you have. Let people know that you love us and why you love us. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much. You can find us online. Um, you can find the podcast at rsvpstationarypodcast.com and at Spectrum Chat. You can find me at comfortableshoesstudio.com, fermentstuff.com, Facebook at Comfortable Shoes Studio, Instagram, um, Instagram, Twitter, other places at Original LC Harper. You know, find Dade at WeeklyPencil.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Weekly Pencil. Lenore, where can folks find you? So uh, the easiest place to find me is on Facebook because I guess I'm old now. <laughs> and But I'm also on Twitter at Lenore underscore Hoyt. I'm on Instagram at Hoyt Lenore, all one word, because I didn't have any kind of uniformity when these things came along and I set them up and now I'm just stuck with it. You guys, I really, I really just have so much respect for you and Dade having uniformity across your social media platforms. Dade was much better about it than I was. Well, yes, he clearly was very intentional, um, you know, in, in doing all of this. In a much more systematic way, but, uh, yeah, I wasn't just whatever, wherever I was when whatever came across. So that's where I am. 
All right. Thank you so much. It has, as always, been great chatting with you. Thank you. I hope we can all three get together at some point. Absolutely. The stars will align. (laughs) And the cats will be herded. (laughs) Yes. I guess the stars move in more predictable ways than the cats do. They do, indeed. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.